Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by Rob Lewis, uh, one of the few Englishmen out looking forward to the cricket in Sri Lanka. But uh, he's not altogether sure he's going to be able to watch it, Andy. No, he isn't. And uh, Danny Kelly came on and talked about his great series, My Sporting Life, which is uh, still available, all episodes, and some of the insights into how he put the series together. It was really interesting. Yeah, very good. We spoke to the tallest outfield player in the country, Carl Hudlin of Solly, uh, Solly Moore. So, Solly Moore Hulls. Solly Hull Moores. <laughs> and uh, that's yeah. Mr. Reverend Spooner. And uh, Steve Harley joined us as well of Cockney Rebel fame. Uh, loves his football and his racing. And uh, he was on good form, wasn't he? Yeah, we had a bit of a chat at the top of the show. And yeah. That's about it, really. So here it all fun. is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. I don't, I'm just sure you chatted about this yesterday, but the fireworks that stopped play at uh, yeah. the West Ham Stockport, I've never seen anything like that before. It was a real you are the ref. I was thinking we should get Paul Trevelli and Keith Hackett on to find out if they've ever done that one. It was yeah. amazing, wasn't it? I've never seen that at all. No, I think it must have, it must have been a first, um, I would have thought. It was incredible. And um, I'm glad we're speaking to Kyle Huddle in the six foot nine. He's Britain's tallest I'm not uh, sure footballer. we t- should talk to him today because officially the protocol say there should be no huddling. So I don't. If there's no huddling, should we have Carl huddling on? He plays for Solly Old Moors, so I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous about it. That's very true. Actually, he's a big mate of Peter Crouch, actually, or Titch, as he calls it. Yeah, he certainly does. All right, Titch. Who's called? Uh, I mean, that's one of those things that no one uses anymore. That was really of its time. Someone who was short. Titch? I bet you got called Titch quite a lot, didn't you? Of course I did. It's such I still a, do. It's just Oi, a Titch, phrase. How you doing? It's such a phrase that no one uses anymore. It's great. Thanks for hashtag. Bring back Titch, says Andy Jacobs. Probably not, actually. No, probably not, actually. And uh, It's heightest, isn't it? It's heightest. Well, it is. It is a bit, really. So Mo Farah is oh, apparently yeah. addicted to coffee and caffeine. Mm. I don't know if you're talking about this as well. And uh, But the amount that he has is quite worrying, because I don't know about you, but coffee has sort of a certain effect on me if I drink too much of it. Is it really? He has, you don't get too well, graphic this time of day, eh? I won't. I won't. He drinks as many as six cups every day. Yeah. So I've got my own machine. I've got an espresso thing. Then I take caffeine tablets. So I was thinking, blimey, he's definitely in danger of doing a pauler if he goes on a long run. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> also, I mean, whenever people say, oh, I don't drink coffee, it's bad for you, you think, well, Mo Farrow has six cups and he 
you can run 10k in about 25 minutes, mate. It doesn't sound like it's that bad for you. No. Maybe that's why he runs so fast, because he has to get back to the toilet. Maybe that's what keep, literally keeps him running so fast. that He, yeah, need, he, needs, he needs to stop en route, yeah. It probably is that. And uh, I thought I'd try out Harry and Megan's podcast on the weekend. You really? And, uh, I, I don't God, think... I mean, knowing absolutely. what you're like, Andy, I don't think you're really the target audience, are you? Someone who's... It was so I mean, grim. A mass, you're a massive fan. Yeah. Totally worthy, of course. Now I read that they're doing comedy shows. They want to produce yeah. a raft of comedy shows. Maybe we should and, pitch uh, a couple of shows to them, Andy. We well, I've just, got, yeah. you got Mrs. One? Windsor's boys. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Edu- educating Archie. There you go, that works. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's one for the teenagers, yeah. <laughs> and only flakes and whingers. Well, yeah, it could work quite well. <laughs> God damn it, mate. Honestly. Yeah, then we're going to get any of those away, are we, with, the, with Windsor Productions, Not I really. think. so. And Frank Lampard is the most trolled boss on Twitter. Did is you know that? Mm. Why is that? I'm surprised. I know what yeah, and I'm surprised, but it's mostly American fans who don't think he's using Pulisic in the right way or enough. Or <laughs> honestly, they're me. so vocal about it. You know, it's it's incredible, really. But uh, yeah, I'm a bit worried about Chelsea. Really, there's it's there's a lot big gap now between uh, us and this. Amazing yeah, how you, your season you can, can go in the See how quickly gaps can be made up with a little run of wins at the moment. Yeah, it's but all you very know, it's hard tight. when you've got a lot of teams ahead of you. I've noticed this in the past. Even if you win a few games, it's very hard to make ground. Yeah. Other teams have to lose for you to go up the table it's not it's not easy so no that's true we'll top and bottom i remember i've, I've mentioned this before but i remember once mm. city were in the old days when city had no money uh, they were kind of at the bottom of the table and they put a run of games together and you thought oh they're out of this then they lost one they were right back in it again you know mm. i think sheffield united who have got spurs city and united coming up God, it's going to be hard going to be hard <laughs> to build on that last night we're going to have a look at last night very shortly yeah. somebody was in the stadium, and um, yeah, I mean, it kind of came out worse for Newcastle, really, more than it did Sheffield United. Because I'm spending quite a lot of time with Sue in the evenings watching TV and stuff, mm. I'm tending to tape the football, record the football rather, not tape it, record the football, yeah. and then watch sort of my own edited highlights of the first half and then watch the second half, and then mm-hmm. that's about right. And so I did watch a bit of Wolves Everton, which I quite enjoyed. I thought it, was yeah, it was a good game, wasn't it? Very game. open, it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Kai Hoover of Wolves. I thought it would have been great if he'd been uh, scouted originally by Terry Dyson. <laughs> first play. Fantastic. What about that and uh, educating Archie? You need to be an Archie granddad. Yes. Terry Dyson. Well, you know, Terry great... played in about 1962, Andy. I mean, no, I mean, I love Terry. He's a wonderful player, but, you know, he's... You're doing your Terry yeah, Dyson. Anyway, uh, last night, uh, referee yeah. John Busby... Uh, in oh, the yeah. Papa John's game um, against Bristol Rovers and yes. um, uh, M- uh, it was Wimbledon, hasn't it? I think it was Wimbledon. Yeah, uh, they had a they had a kit clash, and so he had to put. Oh, on, I saw this. Yeah. yeah, he had to put on a light green. Uh, he had to take off his light green shirt because of the kit clash and put on a sort of purple overshirt. Um, so to get him through the game because it was it was bothering the players, but you, you know you mm. rarely see that. You rarely see the the kick clash. But sometimes, I mean, because you know you deal with it, even if you're playing Sunday morning, Saturday afternoons, you know what the other team wear. But now and again, now and again, you have to come up with a kind of an impromptu kit. You have to sort of come up with however, mm. whether it's just for the keeper, whether it's for the outfield players. But have you ever found yourself turning up for a game in the lower reaches, talk sport listeners, and having to really improvise uh, late on? 
on to make sure the game went ahead without a kick clash. Tell us what you did. Maybe you did go shirts and skins. Maybe skins. You, I was going to ask you about that. Whether people still do that? We used to be quite I popular. You'd see some fearsome sights summer. on Hackney Marshes if you went skins, wouldn't you? <laughs> so great. and all shapes and sizes. So anyway, uh, let us know if you found yourself having to come up with an impromptu uh, change of kit. In what circumstances? And what did you come up with? Uh, Talksport.com, and that could be just as an individual player, uh, as a keeper, say, or even a few of the ref like John Busby, or indeed having to sort out uh, the whole team. Talksport.com forward slash H and J. You can text to eight ten eighty nine, and you can tweet to T S H and J. That's T S H A N D J this afternoon. Andy, um, yes, I don't know if you've, uh, I t- no, I'll tell you what. I'll come back to this uh, little story later on. Do you have anything else for us while we're while we're having a chat? Yes, I'm, I'm quite interested in the self interest from the bottom clubs calling for the season to close down. People like Sam Allardyce, Chris Wilder before last night. It's fantastic, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think it, uh, football definitely needs to go on hold. Yeah, well, you would say that if you're like bottom of the table, you've only got one point, whatever it is. So it is interesting. I, I, I do feel that they should try and carry on at all costs. I've heard a lot of stuff in the last yeah. few days and people saying, well, they should. But I, I don't see what that would achieve, really. And uh, and people are so harsh on football. I mean, yeah, all right, the, the players last night, the Sheffield United players, they probably mm. shouldn't have celebrated. But you've got to have a heart. They've had a terrible season. They got two points before last night. You know, it is difficult. You know, it's, a, it's an emotional game. Yeah. And they're all in the same bubble. They've all been tested pre-match. I'm, I'm, I don't think people are making. The only too thing much is, from 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 a distance, the people that aren't massive football fans are all having to make sacrifices. They can't hug their own their old mum, or they can't yeah, do this. Well, we all, Everybody has right. to check themselves in one aspect of their life, whatever it is. Whether it's forgetting to put a mask on for five minutes and then feeling very guilty about it, which you're, you're out and about. Everybody's having to check themselves. So maybe you know. Football is a duty bound to do that as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, and one bloke wrote to the Sun. He said, for 90 minutes, we have 22 footballers spitting, swearing, kissing and cuddling. What rubbish. No wonder the public's sick to death of all this. And you think, well, that's not really accurate, is it? That's not really what happens in 90 minutes. You know, you get the odd goal celebration. Yeah. Um, you know, people, there's been some surveys. Haven't there? There's been some work done. The actual contact within the 90 minutes of players is not that great. No. It isn't, you know. Well, it so isn't, I, but I mean, if you all get into a group huddle after you've scored, it, it becomes no, that, not, mu- that much not, greater. It's not ideal, but yeah. I don't think that's causing the, the rise in COVID myself, but there you go. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We're asking about the ways you got over a kit clash and uh, Jimmy Bob has been in touch. He said, I remember a few years back we had a kit clash and one of the other team's Players said he'd sort it out. He went to his van, he was a builder, and uh, came back with a can of yellow line marker and black bags. He then proceeded to spray 11 black bags with yellow stripes. Job done. <laughs> Couldn't you just warn the black Job bags, done. Jimmy? I mean, you got the, you got, you're sweating, you know, you're yeah. sweating like mad because you're inside a plastic bag, effectively, yeah. and you've got the fumes of the spray on you. <laughs> just playing the black bags. I mean, did they win? That's the question. He we doesn't need to say. Know. I'm guessing not. <laughs> so uh, you can keep those coming. Impromptu uh, kit clashes and changes you had to make at the eleventh hour. Talksport.com. Text eight and eighty nine. Tweet TSH and J. Steve Harmison will join us a little bit later on. We'll have a, a detailed look at uh, what England are up against in Sri Lanka and what we can expect from the first test in the early hours of tomorrow. But uh, we've been checking in now and again with uh, Rob Lewis. Rob's been out there uh, in Sri Lanka since I think about April uh, when England were, were due to be there. But of course, the world went crazy. It was March, actually, and then the world went crazy, which meant uh, he, he thought, well, I'll stay. I'll stay till they come back well, yeah, on the basis true. that he'd be able to go to the match when England next turned up. But um, it doesn't look like that's going to 
work out. But he is still in uh, Sri Lanka and joins us now. Rob, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a blow, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm sure you, you'd hoped you'd have some crowds in, but the, the, the test's going to be behind closed doors, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like, um, I've known for a while that it's going to be behind closed doors, but um, I just thought I'd be able to get in um, using my story. But like, it's 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 like really strict. There's not even any media allowed in, apart from the cameraman. There's no photographers or anything. Um, it's going to take a monumental effort to get in. Um, but the the fallback is to watch from the fort, which is the sort of castle bit that overlooks the ground. Hmm. But then there's rumours that they might close that because they don't want gatherings up there. So, um, it's, I mean, these are just rumours and it's just a bit of an anxious way, basically. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen until tomorrow. Have you been in contact with anybody in the England party? I mean, is there any chance they could sort of adopt you as a kind of, I don't know, mascot? It's, it's so sort of but you think about it, Andy, the, the regulations <laughs> are there for a reason. You come in, so I know you, you were telling us last time, well, you got to know Mickey Arthur a bit, the, the Sri Lankan coach. But again, they, you know, like, it's a difficult, you can't be bending the rules at a time like this, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. Well, I'll give, uh, give Mickey a nudge the other day, but um, I mean, he wants to help, he really does, but... Um, the, the sort of like the ground logistics is nothing really to do with him, so he, he's not sure how. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I was, I was scoping out the ground today. I kind of was chatting with a few me- members in the, the sort of like the members' pavilion. And one of them said maybe you can get in for like um, five thousand rupees if that's about twenty quid or whatever. But like it's, everything's just a maybe. There's no definite answer. So yeah, so yeah, I'm just going to have to find out tomorrow. Um, I've got I've made these massive banners as well to hang from the fort. So <laughs> I've got I've gone to this effort to make all these banners and like if, if I, I, I might go up like in the middle of the night, like ninja style, and just like hang them like when no one's there, ready for the morning. Wow, well that, that would be good. Uh, I gather you've been able to work uh, remotely, which helps, and you've been posing as a uh, DJ, Randy Caddick, which is. Uh, we know that's named after, obviously. I mean, so you, you're, you've been out there all this time. I and mean, how, how have you got on with that? I mean, haven't you been bored? Have you not wanted to come home at all? Uh, no, not really. Um, uh, other than the initial lockdown last year, like sort of April, May time, after about two months, um, life went back to normal. Like there was, there, We've been uh, sort of going out, restaurants, events, parties, um, uh, which has been a stark contrast to what has been back home. So I'm feeling pretty blessed about that. Um, the DJing thing has been amazing. It's something I've always wanted to do. So it's just just sort of just um, a good time to learn this year, I guess, of all this extra spare time. Uh, it's been great fun, though. Like, um, uh, yeah, it's got DJing at a bar. And when they needed a name, I just needed to come up with a... I wanted to come up with, like, a, D, a cricket theme name because that's the reason why I'm here. And... Uh, uh, Randy Caddick was the funniest one out the hat. So here we are. <laughs> it's it's going to be. Uh, I mean, it will be. I just hope it doesn't come with that, and you can find a way of watching even up from up at the fort. But um, if you have to watch it on telly, it's going to be a fairly bizarre experience, isn't it? Um, uh, I'm not even. I'm not even contemplating that. Um, I've, I've I've been looking around. Like I'm going to get a stepladder and just poke my head over the fence if I have to. There's no way. I'm, no way. I'm not watching it live. I've come all this way and waited all this time. Um, so yeah, just I'm staying positive. Um, just got to keep believing. And will you move uh, when they move away from goal? When they move to the next test match, will you move with them? I suppose you will. 
the next test is in Gaul. Two tests. Oh, they both they have to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, I didn't realise yeah. that. I thought one in Colombo. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, should enjoy it. The weather's not uh, predicted to be too good. What's it like at the moment? No, I hammered down this morning. And the whole outfield was um, covered. Uh, but by lunchtime, there was no more rain. But it's been cloudy, and the, the forecast isn't good. Um, so that's another another thing, another factor playing playing in the plans. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, the only way I'll be able to tell you what's going to happen is tomorrow when yeah. like when when it actually does happen. Oh, we can have a chat with Harmy a bit later on. And one of the things about playing in Sri Lanka is the heat and humidity. So is it very humid at the moment, or is the the rain been sort of breaking that a bit, Rob? Um, oh man, yeah, it's so humid mm. and. Uh, I'm a bit of a sweaty man, so uh, <laughs> when it's humid, I know about it. <laughs> well, tell us a bit about this dog you're supposed to have adopted—a stray dog called Pup. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So when I was in the lockdown, I was at Hirakatia Beach, um, which is normally like packed full of tourists, um, but it was totally deserted and empty. Um, I stayed in a hostel. There was only two of us. It was closed at the time. Uh, little Pup had a bit of a tough time. He was getting bullied by the other beach dog. A local man threw him over a wall. Oh. Um, a, couple oh. of other, a couple of other tourists were helping him out, but he kind of just kind of latched onto me and uh, couldn't really say no to him. So he, he kind of stayed with me in, in my room for, for like the two months I was there. Um, uh, and then he's been, uh, he's, been re- he's been rehomed, fortunately. He's gone to a nice Sri Lankan family with oh. kids and other dogs. So he's, he's doing really well for himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Oh, that's good stuff. So, finally, Rob, when when this is when England have gone home, you you do have no legitimate reason for being there, apart from probably having got to like the country. So, how long can you stay there, and do you plan to stay there, or do you think once basically the vaccinations have kicked in over here, you'll you'll be on your way home? Um, not really. It's hard to make plans, isn't it? Um, mm. uh, I mean, I was due to come home after the cricket. I really don't fancy coming home to Tier Five. Um, Talking to friends back home, it's not it's not been nice. So yeah. I'm not I'm feeling very blessed. My visas until March. Uh, I just have to see just have to see how it pans up. Cause, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> fairly cushy here, so uh, it doesn't make sense to leave. Right it's gonna now, it's gonna be fat when you soon, the clog you'll get when you walk into the pub eighteen months on with all your mates after <laughs> after all the vaccinations and we're through all this you know say so, all right boys what's been happening I mean it's you're not going to be a popular man <laughs> yeah well uh, there's going to be a lot of catching up to do I guess yeah. yeah you you can't move on to India can you because it's pretty restricted as well I'd imagine oh, I've got one eye on it but, um, <laughs> okay fair enough one test. One test series at a time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. we should, but Rob, you are a very resourceful man, as you proved when you went to the World Cup on crutches. But that's another story, some of which the, I mean, the talk sport listeners know a bit about. But uh, good to talk to you, Rob. All the best. And um, let's, uh, look, we hope you get some sort of view of the, uh, of the stadium. But, but be careful. You don't end up inside, do you? I mean, don't fall foul of the authorities. But um, no, I'm, I'm more worried about falling off the court. Okay. Well, we hope you don't do that either. Thanks very much. Take care. Martin, guys. Cheers. Rob Lewis there, aka DJ Randy Caddick.
hoping to somehow watch the cricket that he's been there since March, uh, hoping to catch. So, as we said, Steve Harmison joins us to look at it from a cricket point of view. So, there we are. It is horribly humid, which makes it really difficult. You know, you're going to spend a long time out in the middle in that or a long time out in the field. No, no, it's a difficult place to tour. Yeah, but England, last time they went there, 3-0, played brilliantly. So, um, we'll get Steve's thoughts on that a little bit later on. A bit rusty as well, though. They haven't played a lot. No, they haven't played a lot of test cricket, have they? Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Well, it's been Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Now, I think it's fair to say that uh, my sporting life is one of the jewels in Talk Sports crown. Rarely do you get the chance to spend time with uh, sports people, have a proper long-form deep dive uh, into their careers. And uh, Danny Kelly was uh, was fortunate enough to do that over a number of episodes, 200 plus apparently. Now, uh, my sporting life episodes are going to be available on the Talk Sport app. We'll tell you how a little bit later on. But we thought we'd... Look at some of uh, Danny's favourites. Um, and he joins us now. Good afternoon, Dan. Hey, uh, how you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've talked about this before in the past, and I know you you, you did regard it as a kind of a great honour and life experience to have so much time with such sort of eminent sports people. Look, when we started, Paul, uh, it was just an idea that had come up on the radio station and myself and producer John Chambers started to make the programs. Uh, initially, they were kind of we were semi-lighthearted. We were trying to introduce little bits of games and things into it. And it soon became clear um, that what people, what was really working was the fact that these people were prepared to sit down with me um, for hours uh, to do the interviews. I mean, often it took half a day to do before they were edited down to the two-hour programs that they became. Um, and uh, I soon I realised, and again, we have spoken about you and I, it's just that there's nowhere else on radio of any kind where people are required to just sit there and talk about their lives. Now, um, whatever skills I developed to talking to people, um, you know, I, I, I deployed them. I also, for, for the sort of listeners know, uh, uh, 90% of them were done in the small studio in the old talk sport uh, building and, and done in virtual darkness. And they were like little wombs, and people, <laughs> I think, responded to this. They, they, uh, they wanted to tell their story, given that they knew to get the time to actually stretch it out. Uh, each each experience was incredibly different. Um, sometimes the people were extraordinarily keen to tell everything. Other times, I had to uh, sort of prize it out of them. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about this because I know we're going to do this for a few weeks now. Um, there were times when people's life partner had to come into the studio to advise them the way they were going there were other times i had to throw um a, 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 in one particular case a mentor out of the out of the room <laughs> in order to get it right i mean the number of them that ended in tears either mine or theirs were <laughs> extraordinary and also some of them are a great laugh as well because some people are just um, fantastic storytellers um it's it, so yes i i I think as a body of work, and you know me, Paul, I'm nothing if not immodest. I think it's <laughs> it's a fant- it is a, literally a national treasure that that that, uh, that archive. We don't think it's finished yet, but we're having a rest because they were incredibly um, brain and time consuming to make. Sure. And the format encouraged people to open up, Danny, didn't it? And also, being face to face with them, which is much harder to do now. There's something about being in a—you mentioned a small room—but there is something about being face to face with somebody that is different, isn't it, to, to a Zoom conversation? Absolutely. And uh, of course, in, in 99% of the cases, they had agreed to do it. 
Um, in one infamous case, I think they didn't realise what they had agreed to do. But the, I can say who it was. The great Olympian Michael Johnson, I mean, one of my absolute heroes, the sprinter. Um, he, 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 when he got to the studio, I think he all thought he was going to do the usual 10 minutes, tell us about your new shoes, Michael. Um, <laughs> and when it was explained to him that he could be there for several hours, and I had and I presented him with the sort of 30 pages of research we'd done for the interview, um, he, he started off un, unusually for Michael Johnson. He started off very slowly. Um, um, and, but eventually he got into it. Yeah, and he, it is that face-to-face, person-to-person, experience-to-experience uh, that, that I think made them such a unique bunch of interviews. It, it's uh, it also, in, in some cases, sadly, is a kind of record of their life when they're no longer with us. And we heard the, the Tommy Doc one the other day when Doc yeah. passed away. And and it's the third anniversary, it's hard to believe, of, of uh, Cyril Regis's passing tomorrow. And uh, that was a memorable one. Your your chat was with, uh, with Cyril, wasn't it? Yeah, because I, that was one of the ones where I didn't go in with many preconceptions. I didn't know Cyril. I never met him. He'd never been... Um, And I didn't realise, i got to be honest, I did not realise what he was going to mean to people. It was only when he passed away, as you say, three years ago, um, and people, we played out my sporting life, people started talking to me about it on on Twitter and stuff like that, that I realised just how much he meant to people. And I went backwards uh, into time and found an old cover of the New Musical Express, one of the few ones where they did footballers and of course the football they'd chosen to represent the story of football in the late 70s early 80s was Cyril Regis one other thing about that Andy and you're right to say that uh, sadly a number of the people who've been the subject of this and hopefully this won't accelerate um, are, are no longer with us but after that uh, program went out I was moved that Cyril Regis's family got in touch with the station and asked if they could have a copy of it. Mm. Um, such such was it, the, 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 you know, the, the the joy of listening, and sometimes it's quite difficult to listen that one, I remember, uh, to Cyril talking. Yeah, we'll, we'll play you a clip that, that kind of sums up what you just said. It mm. was uh, Cyril's memories of the abuse he received after being called up for England. Well, I remember getting a letter, uh, a letter through the post, uh, this is sort of like five years after being a professional football. That's what it took you, you know, from 77 to 81, 82. Well, you gone from an electrician to international football uh, in five years as well. You could look at it that way. Yeah, I could do, yeah. yeah. But there were so many good players in front. And I was scoring 15 to 20 goals uh, a year there. Uh, and there were so many good players in front. You had to wait your turn. And it wasn't until, um, I think it was by Robson <coughs> gave him my debut. Uh, and it was announced in the papers and all that. And a couple of days later, uh, I received the letter through the post. And I opened the letter, and it basically said, if you put your feet on that Wembley turf, you get one of these for your knees. And it was a bullet came through the post. Yeah. Why did, Why had they sent you that? Well, you know, you're black, and you represent your country, and they don't want you to. Uh, well, I, I stuck it up. We had a laugh about it and get on with, got on with life. I mean, I'm sorry, you, you say you got on with life. I'm, I, even at this distance, I must say, I find it incredible that things like that were happening and, and that you managed to continue to be a professional footballer because of course it's designed to intimidate you and exactly. the last thing you must do is be intimidated 100% because these people are not going to confront you face to face are they well you realise that, 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 that the, the, the chanting and <coughs> all the auto issues was confined to the arena I mean if you was walking down London or Birmingham or your wife, your kids was getting intimidated at school, in your home, the bricks for your, your car. That would be a totally different thing. But it's confined to the arena, and uh, we had something to fight it with, and that was our talent. And we had a very good side. We can get out there, we can play football, and we played it very well. Yeah, powerful stuff, Danny. 
Uh, yeah, first of all, I apologise for all the coughing and spluttering. That was the winter I got pneumonia, and I didn't oh, realise I had yeah. it. And um, mm. uh, yeah, look, this is uh, two things happen in some of these interviews. There were times when people um, were just desperate to bring up the thing that was dark in their life, that was difficult in their life, uh, and other times. I would probe at it. I never insisted they talked about these things. And Cyril there was responding to a question I'd asked him about the difficulties when he first got in England squad. I mean, I knew the answer he was going to come up with. The stuff about the bullet, though, was um, I didn't. I hadn't intended. I, I knew about it, but I hadn't intended to bring it up um, with him because it's so. You know, you might decide not to want to tell people that. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it, that, uh, uh, we, you know, we talk about um, race in football and the progress we, we hope we're making, we try and make and taking the knee and all the rest of it. Um, people were being sent bullets through the post. The thing about Cyril Regis that was so mar remarkable about that, there was not one iota, and I would forgive him for being bitter about all that stuff. He was completely, had not allowed it um, to affect his personal life. It may have affected his view of the world and all the rest of it, but he was a, a happy and contented because nearly all the programs i asked them after several hours of talking to people and are you happy now which is the question i because we all the only rule we had was that the person must have finished their active sports career um they could be administrators or managers all the rest of it but the actual playing must be over and um cyril was a very very happy man mm. and i could see why because he had a gentleness to his soul um and a and a he was an area an area diet you know he's good he was a good talker too um he seemed very happy to me uh we'll finish with one more clip a happier time in uh, cyril's life painful time for uh, for us danny uh it was uh, uh, when Cov i was there yes, yes i suppose you were too <laughs> yes yeah uh Cov won the 1987 <laughs> fa cup um and cyril said it was a dream come true you know in football uh the sweetest sound is the last whistle because you never know what can happen in football and you're just waiting for that last whistle we're all tired uh, the old Wembley was quite spongy, so with my stamina, I was absolutely <laughs> wrecked after extra time. Uh, and that final whistle was like, wow. I looked up and it was 3-2. It was, as we were talking earlier, uh, your dream was to, you know, we used to play football. Uh, and there's a kid's called Wembley, knockout competition. We always wanted to play at Wembley. We always, you know, dreamt of, of, of uh, being in the FA Cup final. And to actually do it and win uh, was just absolutely amazing. I think one doesn't realise what football means to community, community until you win something. Will win something big. The the, the feel good factor in the city, uh, people uh, who supported Coventry, lived in the area. I mean, I, we're still riding on it now. Still did, riding. The did fact you have an open top bus parade for the we city? We did. Two hundred thousand people uh, in, in in Coventry. They're so proud of the city. The first thing they've won in 104 years of history is just amazing how, you know, you can give so much joy to so many people. Let me ask you, Rich. Stanley, uh, we're, we're out of time, sadly. We're going to do this okay. again, as you said, over the next few weeks and talk about mm, some of the other good, sporting though. lives. Good to talk Brilliant. to you. We'll catch up with you soon. Best of luck, boys. Cheers. There we are. Uh, Danny Kelly joins us uh, next Wednesday to bring us another My Sport in Life. Um, you can hear all of Danny's brilliant My Sport in Life episodes on the TalkSport app. Download it from your app store. Tap podcast at the bottom of the screen. Then scroll down to My Sport in Life. There is a fantastic archive of, of people to listen to there. And so we'll be covering them over the next few weeks. And two of uh, Big Cyril's former clubs, Wolves and West Brom, go head-to-head. Uh, exclusively on TalkSport this weekend from 12.30. That's on Saturday. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Well, it's been Andy Jacobs uh, here on Talk Sport. And uh, coming up in a sec now, we will be chatting to uh, Britain's tallest outfield player. Steve Harley joins us as well of Cockney Rebel fame. We look forward to that. Talk a bit of football, racing and more. We'll have Paddy's Challenge, our little weekly battle. Alistair McGowan will be up again ask, asking the questions along with our own Ben Fletcher. And, uh, yeah, we'll look back on uh, uh, the game between Sheffield United and Newcastle last night we learned about both sides uh, later on we'll look at Brighton City and Spurs Fulham I just had a look at Paddy's odds Andy uh, if you fancy Brighton um, or City Brighton isn't it makes it even worse if you fa- if you fancy um, Brighton and Spurs th- this evening uh, guess what odds you'll get on the double Brighton have got to be huge odds. I mean, together, that's for both. That's both Fulham and and Brighton to win. Fifty to one. You get a hundred and one to one. Wow! If you want that as a double, if you want wins for Brighton and for Fulham, stranger things have happened. Oh, no, City are in form. The way City are going. You might no, give no. them the draw, Brian, but I'm not sure you would give yeah. them the win. Fulham so. will be tough. They've, they've improved in recent games. Yeah. I think they'll give you a good game. Well, if they um, turn out full strength, Jose has basically thrown down the gauntlet, hasn't he, to Scott Parker, saying, well, you know, you're watching, they're going to turn out with their absolute rocking first Well, first I don't team. think they will. I think he'll look at the two games coming up, Spurs and Chelsea, and he'll think... Not likely to beat Spurs, but we can definitely beat Chelsea. <laughs> so we'll play. The, honestly, oh. anybody can beat Chelsea. Oh. Though, they're so poor. Give over. Anyway. Yeah, they're poor. Maybe you need a bit more height up front, uh, which brings us on uh, to our next <laughs> guest. Uh, Britain's tallest outfield player we're going to chat with. There is a goalkeeper, Ipswich, of a similar height. That is uh, six foot nine. But uh, joining us now, uh, the mighty uh, Carl Hudlin of Solly, uh, Solly Hull Moors. Good afternoon, Carl. 
Good afternoon. So, yes, I, a very interesting piece of you in the papers today. Beautiful picture of you and your coaches, not uh, and, and mentors. Not massively surprised to see you you dwarf them, you dwarf them all. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting career from your point of view, isn't it? You you were scoring goals on Sunday mornings and got noticed. Yeah, but it was it's been a mad journey so far. It's all happened so quick. Yeah, I've gone from scoring Sundays to MFL. And now I've stepped up to the pro game. Yeah, I'm. I'm Carl. I'm quite short, and uh, I get quite fed up with people pointing that out because I, I don't. I know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've worked it out. I'm not that tall. But do you do you find the same thing? You just think you get sick of people making comments about it and stuff like that. Oh uh, yeah, especially like especially when I'm out in public. I'd rather like people come up to me and ask me specifically, but it mainly comes from like you know mutters under the breath. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, the mutters. Oh my god, he's so tall. It's those ones. I'd rather you just come up to me in person and just yeah. say, "I'm a nice guy." I'll have that conversation with you. Do, do, are there, as a footballer, when you're that big, are there kind of drawbacks? I mean, do, do people look at you and just you know think you're just going to be good in the air and and that's it? They just big man up front or big man at centre half thing? Yeah, of course. Like people have that stereotype straight away. Like. If people look at me, the first question they ask when I tell them that I play football is, oh, you're a centre-half? <laughs> no, no, I'm not a centre-half. Like, oh, I love the other end of the field. I love scoring goals. And it comes with its stereotypes, but I also like the underdog mentality that it brings and like the surprise factor. And one of the things people always say about tall blokes is, uh, oh, he's got good feet for a big man. So have you got good feet for a big man? Yeah, that's what I've been told. That's what surprises most people. People, um, especially shocked by the technique and the feet that I show for such a guy of my size. Have you watched other players that have made the grade of similar heights to you or of shorter players than you? Crouchy, for example. I mean, Tammy Abraham's a big guy as well. Do you watch what they do and the way they play? Yeah, especially now I've got older. I've kind of matured within my game and based off those sort of players. I think like Olivia Giroud, Tammy Abraham, Peter Crouch. Although there's not much highlights on Crouchy when you do when you do try and find them. Really, they're the players I'm trying to base my game off now, as I know that's what will take me the furthest in my career. But I also like to find my own identity because that's what's got me to where I am today, and like that's what will take me the furthest. Is there a temptation for teams that you've played in to lump it forward because you're there and they can see you, or do you like to play in teams that actually try and play a bit of football? Um. I like, I like the mixture. I think that's why I'm so suited to Solly or Moors because I've got the good balance of both. So I like to play, if they have to go direct, they'll go direct. But also they like to play on the floor. That's their main, that's their main style of play. So I do like the, a team that can do both. Are you? I mean, it's a silly question, but are you decent in the air? I mean, I, I, you can feel free to say no, but I imagine you're pretty good. You get how many goals a season generally do you get with your head or with your feet? Would you say? I I say I get more with my feet, just mm. from based off the size, based off the size that I've played for. The, there are a lot of footballing sides, so I get more more chances created through ball being played on the floor like that, and like obviously my long ranges. So. I do get more from the floor. However, I do contribute quite a lot with my head as well. Mm. 
I think we think we've said, oh, we have. You're six nine. We should have actually given you height. I mean, if you're only five foot eight, people are wondering what we're on about. But um, which is why we're having this conversation. But did which stage did you get this kind of growth spurt? I mean, what, what was the what were the were you a very tall young kid, or did you, did you kind of get to a later stage? Oh no, I was born like enormous. I think I was born at like fifty eight centimeters. Right. I was, I was always meant to be tall. I think it was just a blessing that was always meant to be for me. And growing up, did you always play football? I mean, the obvious question was basketball, I suppose. I mean, you sports teachers must have wanted to steer you that way. But was it always football for you? Yeah, it was always football. Like, since since I could walk out of football, it was just like, that's what took my heart. Obviously, I, I love all sports. I got into boxing at one stage. I was doing boxing for a bit. Then I was doing basketball. So, but football was just what I was destined to be. Yeah. And as you said, you were playing Sundays. How did how did that progression, how long ago was it you were playing sort of Sunday mornings? I was playing Sunday mornings last season. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. great. Last season. So, like, um, I was playing in Sunday mornings and Midland Division 2 with, I was playing Midland Division 2 with Boldmere Falcons. And Sunday morning with AFC United. Oh. But I was doing like literally both. I enjoyed football that much. I just I wanted to keep myself occupied with both. I think I think I took Sunday mornings more of like a kick around with friends rather than serious. Whereas Saturdays was like where I want I see my career developing the most. Yeah. And then I took the chance to move like from Boldmere to Solihull United, and then everything exiled from there. I mean, you're playing good standard National League, but do you have aspirations? I know you've you've done a sport and fitness degree. You're doing that at the moment, so you're you're, you're having a backup career-wise. But um, you've got aspirations to to play higher up. Yeah, of course. I feel like the sky's the limit. I have aspirations to play for my country. I feel like that's that'll be the proudest moment of my career when that happens. And I also have aspirations to play in the Premier League, Champions League football. These are all things that you dream of as a kid. Yeah, I started ticking Brilliant. off some boxes now. So you scored in the FA Cup, there. didn't you, Carl? So that was one that's a, a wonderful thing to do. Oh yeah, that was a blessing. That was like people ask me all the time, like, can you describe how you felt once you scored? I honestly cannot tell you how I felt. Like. <laughs> the, the emotion that takes over your body is like overwhelming. Yeah, and who finally? Who's your who's your team? Who do you support? Oh, Manchester United. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Bit, bit, yeah. big man up top for Manchester United. That would say, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Have you been watching a bit of Edinson Cavani? What have you made of what he's brought to the team? He's an interesting oh, he's player, moving. isn't he? Class act. Very yeah, he's, he's, he's like the out and out nine. Like his mm. movement off the ball is a joke. Yeah, it's absolutely like phenomenal. And then you've got his his finishing instincts is second to none. Like, is definitely up there with some of the greatest strikers in the world. Yeah. Well, look, Carl, lovely to talk to you. Well, yeah. all the very best. We're going to keep an eye on you. I'm sure the listeners will be as well. <clears throat> uh, I know it's a difficult time. You've had games called off. You were supposed to play our producer team, the mighty Torquay, but that that's off. So a bit worrying times really in the national league with everything that's going on. Yeah, for sure. I, I just hope it continues. Yeah, let's just they can keep, get the games back yeah, on and get everybody. the season concluded. A little bit nerve-wracking. Anyway, all the best, Carl. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.
There we are, Carl Hudlin yeah. now, that six foot nine Solihull Moors striker, the tallest outfield player in the country, as it's good stands. lad. It sounds really good. Yeah, feet fingers, on the ground, yeah. as they say. Feet on I mean, the ground. <laughs> I don't mean true. it like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even he said about his aspirations, I don't want to run before I can walk. I understand how high the jump is to the level of the Premier League, but I want to make that jump. I thought you were well qualified. Yeah, but, you'll probably uh, make it easier than we I, can. I remember doing the NBA All-Star game for Channel 4 in 92 and mm. uh, staying in the hotel. with it. And I'm used to watching the players. When they're all on court basketball players, yeah. they're all the same size. Sure. So they all look roughly the same. When you're in the hotel lobby yeah. and they're wearing suits and you're like five foot five and a half, <laughs> honestly, I've never seen anything like it. It was ridiculous. Every bloke was six, nine, seven foot. Unbelievable. Wow. Good stuff. Amazing. Lovely fella. We wish him well. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Come and see me, make me smile. I'll do what you want, running wild. There's nothing. That, of course, is uh, Steve Harley and uh, Cockney Rebel. And I, I thought I'd go and check out, just out of interest, how many plays that has had on uh, Spotify. Uh, really? 47,943,940. And he gets a pound for every one, if only that were the case. Good, after, good afternoon, Steve. Good afternoon. I wish it was a pound. It's point nought nought four of a penny, to be honest. Yeah, I know. That's a lot of people up in arms Does it add about up? That. It must add up still. Yeah, we're all pretty fed up about Spotify, all of us. It's, uh, it's iniquitous. You yeah. know, It's not right that someone can pay a tenner a month and hear... Every record ever made in the history of music, yeah. <laughs> and the artist. You know, I'm also the writer, of course, but uh, sure. so I get other another income, obviously. But I suppose there's something in it. In the, if people are showing the interest, and then you go on tour, which is where our livelihoods are these days. It's not from selling records; it's from playing concerts, ticket sales. Yeah, of course. Which you've you've not been able to do uh, oh. recently, and you had you had gigs lined up this uh, well for last year, didn't you? Yeah, fifty-seven. We have put. They've all been rescheduled, all except one, um, for 2021, starting in May. And it's fingers crossed for that. My promoters are already looking at moving the May date to, to December. Wow. Yeah, it's a complete nightmare. I mean, it's not for all artists, players, actors, theatre crews, you know, all the, all the people who work in the theatres and the venues, it's the roadies and all that. It's a... Uh, it's tough for them, really tough. Yeah, because throughout the years you've you've kept touring, you've kept playing live, mm. haven't you? That's very much a part of what you do. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. Um, it's hard for me to explain to people, uh, you know, how much I am missing it because it's um, it's your life's blood. It's not just the income, obviously. It's 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 what I've done for forty-seven years is mm. travel. Yeah, and without you know the trolley bag packed and an itinerary and a tour manager emailing me every five minutes. Without that, I don't really know who I am. You know, I'm seeing my children a bit and my two little grandchildren, youngsters. But um, it's not the same. I'm used to hotel rooms. and uh, (laughs) You're missing your trouser press, aren't you, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) We don't get them often anymore. But yeah, you're right. It's, um, It's a lifestyle that those of us who do it and love it, I mean, a lot get out. A lot of musicians and crew get out of it and get a straight life because they can't hack 
that world, the travel, it's, it can be tiring for well, tiresome. It can be a, dull for some, but for me, it's a big adventure. Yeah. Love it. Different audience every night, different town every day. You know. It's a job, but it's a job that, you know, you look out into an audience and you think 50% of them would give their eye teeth to have this job. Sure, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But it's great. We can hear your enthusiasm for it, which is terrific as well. Uh, what about your love of sport? Because I was reading a, an interview with you, and it, this may or may not be correct, because we've been trying to prove it, that you're a Millwall fan. Is that correct? It's totally correct. Why? Oh, <laughs> my, good. My, my dad was on their books uh, oh. just after the war, and he played for Brighton and Ove Albion. He was a really good footballer, oh. and we're New Cross boys. You know, my whole oh. family is from New Cross Gate. And the old den was a 10-minute walk away, as is the new one, which I've not actually been to. I've not been to the new den. Oh, but, wow. But I was at the old den from the age of three and a half. My, my dad had me sitting on the wall uh, until I was 17 or 18. I didn't miss a home match apart from when I was away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah big, it's a Millwall family, all my brothers. We, wherever I'm in the world, I know what's going on, you know. So was this the, the sort of Derek Posse years, the, the, the glory yeah, years of the late 60s? Yeah, Derek Posse <laughs> from Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Lions. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, the, the greatest of all was, was Alex Stepney. We got two seasons of Stepney before he went to Chelsea oh, yeah. and Man U. Yeah. And Stepney changed everything to do with goalkeeping. He, You know, I'd seen a lot of matches. We had uh, television even then, you know. You know, I'd seen a lot of games with other goalkeepers, but once Stepney started to fly through the air, I don't think anyone had seen anything yeah. like it. He was the greatest athlete, and uh, we knew we we knew we couldn't keep him for you know he he was destined. Oh, absolutely! And your, your other great love, horse racing, Steve. Oh, you've owned, you've been an owner in the past, haven't you? Oh, I, I am to this day. Oh, okay. I've, I've got fifty percent of two. Uh, two thoroughbreds at the moment, both trained in Scotland. Unfortunately, I don't see them much. But uh, well, yeah, well, I've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old in training. Um, yeah, I've been owning on and off for, for since late seventies. It's uh, it's my big passion. Again, wherever I am in the world, uh, my, my wife used to uh, get the daily paper uh, and photocopy. The, uh, the the racing pages and fax them to me. And any hotel in the world, they'd, they'd go down to the front lobby and they'd I'd say, uh, faxes for blah, blah. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, we've got all these sheets of paper for you. <laughs> <laughs> and now, of course, it's online. And um, I bet... I bet most two or three times a week I'm betting, and uh, but it's just the therapy, reading form and watching the racing. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like that world That's a great. lot. And um, it was a horse called Cockney Rebel, but you, you didn't own it, did you? Somebody else owned it. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, Phil Cunningham, uh, who owns it, the, the horse, he, he did. I think he sold it on. It's, it's, a, it's a stud now, of course. It was 2007 when he was three. Um, yeah, fantastic. I didn't own it, um, but I own the copyright of the name. Mm. I own the trademark. And so they needed permission. And I said, well, what's its breeding? How good is this horse? And they introduced me to the trainer and Jeff Huffer. And he said, no one in Newmarket knows about this horse because we're such a small stable. Mm. And he said, but believe me, this is the real deal. 
And I said, go on then, you know, because they said to me, you might want a horse one day called Cockney Rebel. And I said, well, I'll never own one probably as well-bred as this. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, to win two classics. I was I was seriously involved, while well, I'm not the owner by any, not at all, but they involved me very closely, and I live half an hour, fancy that, from Newmarket. <laughs> <laughs> and I was on the gallops all through the winter. 2006 into 2007 I went to the gallops once every couple of weeks to see this horse perform and we were I was coming home <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning I'd get back to my house and I'd go online and I kept opening all these betting accounts you know <laughs> not the big five but dozens there were dozens of these small betting out there betting uh, companies and I was opening all, all these accounts not credit, but debit, you'd open it. I'd open one and I'd put 200 quid in. Mm -hmm. And I'd back Cockney Rebel to win the 2,000 guineas in May. Mm -hmm. And this was in the depths of winter. And I'd have 100 quid each way at 60 to 1. Oh, wow. And 45 to 1. You know, you don't have to put a lot on to win a lot at those odds. And I was That's doing true. this for months. Yep, yep. And we went to... After Newmarket, we went over to the Curragh two weeks later, and he, and he won the uh, Irish 2,000 guineas. Much shorter odds, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you weren't getting 60 to 1 then. No. Now, he, he won at Newmarket at 25 to 1. That was the SP. Yeah. Now, and, uh, yeah, yeah a lot, quite a lot of us had an awful lot of money on that. It yeah, took, very took, nice. Took weeks to count it. Now, you were, you were hoping to tour an album you brought out at the start of last year, this year, uh, Uncovered, with some uh, kind of eclectic lineup of of songs you like that you've uh, you've covered. Are they all, are they all acoustic, uh, Steve? Oh, yeah, this is um, an acoustic band. Mm. Um, there's a very light drum kit, double bass, uh, the, the, the absolutely fa fantastic Martin Simpson on guitar, Barry Wickens from my band on guitar and viola, violin. It's yeah, a couple of gospel singers. It's a great sounding album. I'm, 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 I can only say that in, in thanking Matt Butler, my engineer. Matt Butler uh, did a wonderful job, and I'm very proud of it. And we played <laughs> to promote it. <laughs> In February and March, we played nine shows uh, out of 61. Oh, wow. What when, a blow. Yeah, when the door got slammed. Yeah. Uh, well, look, yeah. um, steveharley.com is the is the website, and people can check out all the dates. I see you've got dates for 2022 on there and everything, so they yeah. can check out what you're up to. In the meantime, um, we're going to play... We're going to play uh, Out of Time, one of the tracks from the album, the, the old Stone song. So why, why did you choose that among them? Is that an old favourite of yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to sing all these songs that I adored, and they're, they're all very special pieces of work, even Out of Time. You, you, once you get into the lyric and everything, you realise what a good narrative it is. It's not, it's not bubblegum. Hmm. And, yeah, they're all songs that I've been singing and playing at home for 20 or more years, and... Uh, and so trying to find nine tracks, two of them on the album are mine, and nine are not mine. Um, but to mm. pick them it actually wasn't as difficult as people think it might be. Yeah. Well, look, it's lovely to talk to you, Steve. Yeah. Uh, we look forward Good. to seeing you back on stage soon. We'll, we'll yeah. play out without a time. Uh, and thanks for joining us. And as usual, good luck to you. Take care, Steve. Cheers, uh, Steve. Steve Harley there. Let's, uh, let's play a bit of Out of Time, the Old Stones. We know Chris Farlow's song as well. Touch my baby, my poor 
old-fashioned baby I said, baby, baby, baby You're out of time Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll, uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. Max will be alongside me. Andy, you're back. Actually, you are back tomorrow for the birthday spread, aren't you? I am. Yes, I'm looking forward to it in, in a sense. In a sense. <laughs> I think we all are, in a sense. Uh, but Andy will be back Friday for the regular show, but uh, for the birthday spread, me and Max tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.